Hey y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith America Podcast, Volume 29. We have an awesome show this week with former Florida Gators in South Carolina, Gamecocks head coach Steve Spurrier, one of, I think, only four people to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, both as player and coach. And, of course, all of you guys know what a great talker Coach Spurrier is. He has so many one-liner zingers during his career that um, he basically has the Spurrier encyclopedia. And I just love the guy. I have been intrigued by him for so long. And I finally got the opportunity to interview him. I've wanted to interview him for so long, and now I get to. And that actually was courtesy of his new venture. Uh, he is the head coach of the Orlando group for the brand-new, newly formed Alliance of American Football. That is an eight-city league. It's Orlando, Atlanta, Memphis, Salt Lake, Arizona, which I guess is Phoenix, San Diego, Birmingham, and San Antonio. So all of those teams will play beginning early in 2019. And Coach Spurrier is the head coach of the Orlando team. First of all, I found it really interesting that he decided to come back and coach there and why that was his decision. And also his fascinating life. I mean, he was all state in everything in high school. He won the Heisman Trophy in 1966 for the Florida Gators. He is just a really interesting person. And so it was really fulfilling to get to spend a little bit of time with him uh, and chat about that life, chat about everything he's learned along the way. So I really appreciate his time. I know you guys will too, especially you guys who are Gators and Gamecocks who love Coach Spurrier so much. But before we get to Coach Spurrier, we got to talk about bacon. I bet Coach Spurrier likes bacon. Everybody likes bacon. Well, guess what, bacon lovers? Now, with every single pack of Smithfield bacon you purchase, you can enter for a chance to win bacon for life. I did not stutter. You heard me correctly. Bacon for the rest of your life. All the slow, smoke, crispy happiness you can handle. Wake up, boom, there's bacon. Need some lunch during the game? Bacon. And for dinner, bedtime snack, any time of the day, you have bacon. Bacon. I don't even need to say it. You can baconify anything you want to. Maybe s'mores, pancakes, even a regular BLT made with a mountain of Smithfield bacon. There's no gimmicks, guys, no tricks, just a whole lifetime of Smithfield bacon. For life and for the win. And the chance to win it is yours right now. Just look for specially marked packages of Smithfield bacon in stores or visit smithfield.com slash bacon for life for details. Flavor hails from Smithfield. No purchase is necessary. This offer ends December 31st, 2018. Go to smithfield.com slash bacon for life to enter and for free entry instructions. And now, let's head on down to Florida and hang out with Steve Spurrier. You'll soon debut as the head coach of the Orlando Apollos in the Alliance of American Football. Coach, what lured you to this new league. And Marty, uh, when I left South Carolina, I, I sort of thought I might be finished, but I didn't know exactly, you know, maybe a high school or this, that, and the other. I, I knew I didn't want to coach college again. I, I don't want to recruit uh, 11 months a year, which is pretty much what uh, the college coaches do now. Uh, but this uh, this opportunity came up uh, about February or March. Actually, Rick Neuheisel called me. and said there's going to be a, a new spring football league called the Alliance of American Football. He said, you might, are you interested? And I said, well, yeah, tell somebody to call me. So J.K. McKay, who was one of the vice presidents with the Alliance, he called me up started talking about it. Uh, it's, we play February, March, April. We practice the month of January. 
and it's a, it's about a four to five month gig. And uh, and I said, what are the teams? And he said, we're going to have one in Orlando, and if you want to coach it, you can have that one. And I said, well, count me in, count me in. And I think my wife Jerry was more thrilled than I was. But uh, you know, the last couple of years I've been sitting up in the AD box watching the games with uh, our athletic director at Florida, and just you know, gee, uh, you know, I, I think I was blessed with some ability to coach and. If I had a chance to do it again, I should do it. And this is just seemed like a perfect opportunity. Why do you think your wife was more thrilled than you? You wearing her out at the house, brother? Well, we're, <laughs> we're both not into retirement type stuff. We, we, we both like to be around the action, <laughs> something going on. And uh, she loves watching practices and, uh, you know, hugging players after practice, things of that nature. And just, you know, being on a team. Gosh, I've been on a team since I was seven years old, Little League Baseball and and then all the way up through, and last couple of years I've not been on one. So you miss you miss all that camaraderie, you miss the competition, trying to put together a team to beat the other guys. And uh, that's what this is all about. This is, uh, uh, you know, they allocate uh, the players to you. We'll get mostly players from the Florida schools, and then, of course, some from up north and so forth also. But uh, just an opportunity to go coach and have a team for 10, hopefully 12 games in uh, February, March, April. So it, uh, it looks like a really challenging, fun thing to do. Coach, what's the void when you don't have a team? Well, I think the void is mostly what, what am I doing uh, that I enjoy doing today. I don't play as much golf as I used to. You know, sometimes life changes. Uh, you think, well, when my coaching days are over, I'll really get my golf game in good shape. And all of a sudden, my golf game just is not where it once was uh, eight, ten years ago. So it's not as much fun doing it if you don't do it well. And then this, this opportunity came up. Without this opportunity, I, I don't think I would be coaching year-round. Uh, I enjoy watching my, my son's coach. I got one in South Florida, and uh, Steve Jr. is out at Washington State University with Mike Leach. They're doing very well. In fact, South Florida Bulls are undefeated also. So uh, I'll get a chance to watch him uh, a game or two this, this coming season also. Why do you think that the Alliance can succeed Coach, when other and Marty, it's a, a different concept, I think, than the other spring leagues. Uh, first of all, we've got a television contract. CBS is going to televise us. I think two games a week, and uh, the salaries are going to stay down. We're not. We're not in competition with the NFL. We're not. We're not trying to compete with them. We we want to be the AAA of pro football, and uh, we got our time February, March, April. Uh, people in America love watching football. Uh, I don't know what what it is so much about football. You see it all the time in the colleges, uh, but there's a passion to it, and uh, and we're in a city of Orlando that does not have a pro football team. Uh, UCF has done very well down here, and gosh, they're still undefeated. And they love football really all over the country, especially in the South. So we think it'll go. Uh, the rules are a little bit different. We're trying to emphasize safety. Uh, we've eliminated the kickoff. Uh, there are no extra points. Got to go for two every time, and I think this will create some new ball plays that maybe a lot of people have never seen before. And I, I think that's something that fans they'd like to see something different. So I believe the Alliance will, will show them some some new ball plays. You coached in the USFL mm-hmm. back in the day. What did you learn from that experience that will help you in this experience? Well, I think we learned that uh, it, it could have made it, except we had individual owners. And that's another thing, uh, Marty, why I think this this will make it. Uh, this is owned by the Alliance. It's a 
group of guys. Uh, Charlie Epsall is in charge. He's the head of that group. Uh, Bill Polian's actively involved with us, uh, several NFL players. So it's, it's owned by one group, and uh, they're trying to make it as even as fair as they can for every team. Uh, the salaries are pretty basic. Everyone uh, pays their guys the same amount. The coaches' salaries are the same all the way around. So it's about as even as you can make it. And uh, so the, the games should be pretty close. And uh, everybody can't win, as you know. So the winners, will, they'll draw more fans than the losers. And <laughs> so it's on us to put a winner out there. You're 73 going on 29, brother. What's the challenge coaches <laughs> face when they try to walk away from the game? Yeah, it is. It is hard to walk away. But again, like I said, this was this was the perfect opportunity. Uh, I don't think I would want to work uh, 11, 11 and a half months a year the way the college coaches do now. And uh, but the opportunity to coach a bunch of guys and try to put a team together and try to win a championship—that's uh, that's a thrill. All of us coaches, I, I guess, we never lose that thrill. You noted how folks all over the country and in this nation just love the game of football, especially in the South. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, what's the perception of the game of football right now? Well, the new rules are trying to make it safe, and I like the new rules. I really do. Uh, I know some people don't, but and it is a collision sport, uh, but you can have good, hard collisions without maybe trying to hurt the other guy. Uh, you know, you got to keep your head up, see what you hit. Uh, don't try to speak people. And I think you can still play a hard-nosed, tough game uh, by keeping your face up, you know, and good, good, solid contact, things of that nature. So I, I do like the new rules. I think uh, as safe as we can make it, uh, we should. Uh, there's nothing worse to me than a guy laying there unconscious, or concussions, or really serious injuries. And uh, and we've got to we got to make it safe. Uh, but uh, football is a sport that stirs the passion and. People all over the country, especially your college, your school, your team, your NFL team, and now your alliance team. Uh, we're hoping it can do that also. And uh, But uh, people that are playing it have cut back, which is a little bit understood because of the, the risk of injury. But uh, hopefully it's going to be a safer game now than, than it's ever been. You had such a tremendous career as a college coach, and – I wonder who you think is the best college football coach of all time. Mm. Marty, I heard uh, somebody say one time as a coach, and I love this, there's two ways to judge coaches, okay? Uh, Number one, what's your record? I think Bill Parcell said that first. You are whatever your record is. It doesn't matter if you coach at Vanderbilt or Alabama. You are whatever your record is. And, And then another guy says the way you judge coaches, is you judge how the guy before him and the guy after him did compared to how you did at that school, and uh, that's that's sort of that's sort of fair right there. You know, there's some places that have advantages over other places, as we all know, and uh, those coaches should do well. And uh, in college football, I mean, all you got to do is look at the recruiting rankings every year. You see Alabama, Ohio State. <laughs> And those guys right up there every year, they're going to be the best teams. And their coaches do an excellent job at all those schools also. So I've, uh, you know, I tried to stay out of who's the best and who's not the best. Some schools have advantages, as we all know. And uh, if they have good coaches there, which they do, most of these schools do now when you think of Ohio State and Alabama's and uh, even the LSU's and Auburn's, I mean, they're, they're all schools that are going to, going to do well 
And uh, hopefully our Florida Gators are going to get back up there real soon, uh, the way we were a few years back. Okay. How would you characterize your college career then as a coach? We'll get into playing in a minute. How would you characterize, you know, you won national championships, you revolutionized college offenses. There's so many things on your resume and your accomplishment sheet that are forever. So how would you characterize what you accomplished? Yeah, well, I was fortunate to uh, be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I guess fortunate to be the winningest coach in Florida and in South Carolina. So if, uh, if someone referred to me as one of the best, that'd be fine. Just one of the best. I, don't, I do not have to be in the top three, five, ten. Just one of the best uh, is good enough for me. Young folks may not understand what a decorated college player you were. All right? 1966 Heisman Trophy winner, etc. How would you describe your college career as a player? My college career was a little, little disappointing, and we, we lost the one game my junior and senior year that prevented us from winning the SEC. Uh, Georgia kicked our butts. My senior year, we went into that game undefeated, and uh, that knocked us out of winning Florida's first ever SEC championship. Uh, Fortunately, and when I came back as a coach in 1990, uh, as a coach, I was able to coach the first Florida SEC championship teams. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, we won a bunch of games, but uh, we lost uh, we lost that one game my junior and senior year. So it was it was good, but not not super. Do you remember the losses more or the wins more? The losses. I'll tell you about every one of them. Everything that happened. Uh, the crucial losses, of, you know, they, they stick with you, I think, a little bit more. Which one hurts the worst? Well, I would say in Florida, the, the last one I coached in the Swamp, uh, that was really a good team we had. We were number one in the conference in offense and number one in defense. And Tennessee uh, came in, and they ran the ball extremely well. Travis Stevens ran for 225 yards. We still went up and down the field. We had Rex Grossman and that group that uh, we were – one of the best offenses that I'd ever had, and, and the defense was good. But that night, Tennessee beat us 34-32, uh, and uh, we didn't win anything. Didn't win the SEC, didn't win uh, the division. Uh, we won the Orange Bowl and finished third in the nation, uh, but we, we didn't we didn't maximize maybe the, the talent we had that year on that team. How did you win at Duke? Well, hopefully uh, we convinced those players they were just as good as the opponents. <laughs> Believe you and go play like it. Uh, we didn't have any defensive players in uh, 88, 89 that even got a sniff in the NFL. Uh, we had a few offensive guys. Obviously, Clarkson Hines was uh, in the College Hall of Fame. He was All-American wide receiver. Uh, all of our quarterbacks were really good players there. And then we got on a run there uh, in 89 after we had a huge upset of Clemson. Just some miracle things happened that all you can do is say, thank you, Lord, that happened. Uh, but that team, we had that miracle win over Clemson, and they just believed. They believed we can beat these other guys if we totally prepare and get ready to go play. Uh, we found a running back, Randy Cuthbert, that ended up rushing for over 1,000 yards, and he only started the last six games of the season. So even though we threw it around very well, uh, we ran it and uh, kept our defense on the sideline a little bit. But they played their hearts out. And it was just, uh, I, I still call that uh, probably one of the biggest years of my coaching career because those those guys proved that you can win a championship with maybe spirit, 
you don't have to have the greatest of talent if you got got spirit within the team, and then you have a chance. What did seeing that spirit and that belief that season among the players mm-hmm. tell you about yourself? Well, it tells you to achieve uh, some major accomplishments. That, that's a necessity, obviously, and uh, and it was also a year that we actually set goals. It was the first year I had a team to write the goals down, talk about them briefly as you go through the season. And amazingly, one of our players before the season started, he said, "Coach, we want to try to win the ACC." One of our goals, and I said, "Well, that's I don't know if that's doable, but I tell you what." When you set your goals, if, if it's a little bit out of reach, you can go ahead and write it down. That's, basically, it, it's, it's supposed to be doable. If it seems a stretch, that's okay. So we wrote it down, and then after the huge upset of Clemson that year, it was within reach. It was within reach, and uh, that team went and got it. What was the best coaching job you ever did? Oh, I think uh, I think the big days uh, were probably probably the best. And i tell you what's interesting, Marty. Somebody asked me, my Florida place Tennessee this week, mm-hmm. and the guy said, "Where's your favorite game up here?" In in Rocky Top, Neyland Stadium. He said, "Which one of these Florida wins?" He said, "Let me tell you my favorite game. 1982. I'm the offensive coordinator at Duke, and we go into Knoxville the first game of the season. They got Reggie White, and somehow or another, we put together. We hit some big plays, but we ran the ball from our own one yard line and killed it on their one yard line and ate up nine minutes." Uh, in 15 seconds in the fourth quarter to win 25-24, Duke over Tennessee, 1982. I said, that was my favorite right there because that was a huge upset. And that was my first time uh, ever coaching uh, in my home state of Tennessee. Uh, Johnson City is my hometown. So that was that was my favorite game. <laughs> Having spent all that time in Durham, what's your relationship with Mike Krzyzewski? Did you guys ever hang out? Yeah, we played, uh, we played a little half-court basketball. Uh, the assistant coaches, you know, lunchtime back in the days and so forth. You couldn't beat his team. You couldn't beat his team. If it was close, it was all, always a foul. <laughs> if he shot, it was a foul. And it, sort of like, I saw it piece, you think you say Similar to that, it was hard to beat his team, I tell you. Which, which one of your coaching mentors had the greatest impact on you? Well, the, the, the coach that started handing out motivational sheets was uh, at Duke, Coach Red Wilson when I was an assistant there. Uh, he handed out sheet, uh, winners and losers, and guidelines for a good ball coach, uh, characteristics, traits of highly successful people, uh, Dr. Charles Garfield, things like that uh, that I had never read uh, and so forth. So I, I started trying to study the way winners acted and talked and things of that nature. So that was my third year ever as a coach. And uh, mainly the, the motivational sheets is, uh, I think, the, the biggest thing that helped me to become whatever kind of coach I became. A good one. How long do you think <laughs> it takes before a coach really learns his philosophy? Well, it probably changes a little bit with your personnel. Uh, hmm. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't change completely, I guess. Uh, but but mine, mine had changed a lot, I mean, the way I coasted Florida and South Carolina was different. And, uh, you know, if you have to stay out on the field, if you need four, five, six-minute drives uh, to protect your defense a little bit, you need to do that. And uh, if you got a great defense, you know, you can fire three and we'll get it back three plays later. So, uh, well, my general philosophy is to, 
to score. Got out scoring pretty good. And uh, hopefully you have a pick touchdown lead late so you don't have to sweat out the last player two of the game. How did your upbringing in East Tennessee shape you, Coach? No, I was very fortunate, Marty, to uh, have three high school coaches. They're all a little bit different, football, basketball, baseball. Uh, but they, they, they were all outstanding guys that coached there 25, 30 years, all of them. And uh, they're all a little different. The baseball coach never raised his voice. <laughs> we won two state championships somehow in baseball. Uh, we just couldn't lose in baseball. Uh, basketball, football, we'd lose a close game here or there in the tournament. We always did well during the season. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think all those guys had, had a little bit of input. Uh, but as a coach, you, you got to do it your way, as we all know. I'll ask you one last thing, and I'll get you out of here. All right. <laughs> How do you define success with the Orlando Apollos? Well, obviously, uh, we think the, the teams are going to be pretty even all the way across the board, so success is going to be if we, we win the, the last championship. Uh, that will be the ultimate success. I think any time you win more than you lose, that's uh, that's you know, that's uh, a little bit of a success. Uh, but uh, but the ultimate is to try to try to win the Alliance Championship. I told you guys he was interesting. He he just is such a captivating personality for me, and he's so witty and he's so quick. And I just um, I've always really admired him. He really did revolutionize offensive football and continues to do so today. And he will do that with the Orlando franchise for the Alliance of American Football. I I really want to spend more time with Coach Spurrier, so I'll probably go down there and check out a game or two this coming spring. The, the whole league intrigues me. I mean, again, there's eight teams, and if you look at the coaches that they have involved and the former NFL stars that they have involved, I mean, it's Spurrier. Brad Childress, Mike Singletary, Dennis Erickson, Rick Neuheisel. Of course, you heard Coach Spurrier say there that it was Coach Neuheisel that called him and said, hey, man, get off the couch. Let's do this thing. And then you have Mike Martz, who, of course, the greatest show on turf uh, with the St. Louis Rams back in the day. Coach Martz uh, is involved in the San Diego franchise. Tim Lewis and Mike Riley uh, are also involved. So, I mean, these are really, really good, accomplished coaches in this league. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see how they do. And, again, I appreciate Coach Spurrier so much for giving me his time. Uh, I know how valuable it is. I just think it's so funny he's itching to get back in the game and that his wife was really the, you know, really the catalyst for with her passion for the game and, and being around the game and seeing Steve happy. Well, you notice he I hasn't lost it. his fastball. Like some coaches, after a while, they kind of lose their wittiness. Or Steve Spurrier, uh, yeah. he could go into college football tomorrow and wouldn't miss a beat. He is. Uh, he's just so good. I mean, he's just again the the quick wittedness. I'm not made that way. I so wish I was. Sometimes I'm kind of that guy that if somebody has a you know a really good zinger right at me. 30 minutes later, I'll think, you know what? I should have said that. And, but I, I don't, you know, it takes me a minute to be witty. It takes him like a millisecond and he's already buried you. Can't spell citrus he, uh, without UT. Yeah. He's just the best. And I appreciate him. Um, I can't wait for you guys to hear 
a story about a young man that I met last week uh, that plays for Penn State named Charlie Schumann. But before we get to Charlie and Maya, I want to discuss Indochino with you guys real quick. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. I love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors. I can choose from so many of them. And the option to personalize the details of my suit, lapel, the lining, pockets, buttons, writing my own monogram. Here's how it works. Visit a stylist at the Indochino showroom and have them take your measurements personally or measure at home yourself and shop online at Indochino.com. You can choose your fabric inside and out, choose your design customizations, submit your measurements and your choices, and then relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and mailed directly to your door in a couple weeks. Chinos originated 120 years ago as part of a British-French military uniform designed to be simple, durable, comfortable, and camouflaged in earthly tones. Fast forward to now, and this fashion classic has changed very little until right now. Indochinos are tailored for the perfect fit and customizable to suit any personal taste and style. So guys, go to Indochino.com right now. This week, you guys get any premium Indochino suit for just $359 at Indochino.com when you enter the promo code MARTY at checkout. You can also get Indochinos at an introductory price of just $79. That's 50% off the regular price for made-to-measure premium suits. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Marty, for any premium suit for just $359, and you don't pay for shipping. It's an incredible deal for a premium, made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go rack. Now it's time for the Marty Party. What are we going to do, bud? We're going to drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. What's up, man? Marty Party. So, leading into... The Penn State-Ohio State game. I went up really early in the week, last week, to meet a young man that I had read about on the internet named Charlie Schumann. Charlie is a fifth-year senior at Penn State, and he is a former walk-on at Penn State. He's an offensive lineman. He's third string. He's played just three total plays in his entire time at Penn State, but he's changing the world off the field. When Charlie was a senior in high school in Rochester, New York, he was a National Honor Society student, and he had to do a project. His parents own a series of physical therapy centers across Rochester, New York, and Charlie was there often at one of those centers, and he always saw this little girl there and her parents at this one center that his his parents owned, and one day... A uh, 17-year-old young man walks over and asks the parents what's going on with the little girl. Just that in and of itself is so impressive to me because when I was 17, I don't know that I would have had the awareness. I don't know if I would have had the self-confidence to walk over and just ask someone that, you know, their, their little one is, is obviously struggling and has some challenges that maybe other children don't. And Charlie did. He just walked right over to Maria and to Will, um, little Maya's parents, and said, you know, what's going on with her? Well, Maya has an incredibly rare genetic mutation. In fact, she's the only one in the world that has this specific condition. The details are many, 
I cannot say the scientific terms. Maria did when I went to Rochester and interviewed her and Will, and she is amazing. That woman is amazing. Uh, but ultimately, there is a, it, it's a it's a condition where Maya kind of grows bone in areas where we don't, uh, whether that's within her muscles or her tendons or other parts of her body. In fact, right before I went to interview her uh, in Rochester, she had just had surgery on the area between her heel and the um, arch of her foot to remove a bone that wasn't supposed to be there. Very painful. And she also has some other challenges that come with that. There's uh, some dwarfism that comes with it for her. There are uh, just myriad things that that go on for this sweet little six-year-old girl. And I go up there and I interview Charlie first in State College. And this guy is unbelievable, guys. They have an event at Penn State called THON, T-H-O-N. Thon, and it's a 46-hour, no sitting, no sleeping, no resting dance marathon to raise money for families with little ones battling pediatric cancer. Charlie's done it twice. He's 320 pounds, but he does it because he has a wonderful soul. And I love what he said to me while I was up there in State College. If you just take a minute and go say hello to someone, if you offer them a smile if you hold the door for them and ask them how their day's going, it could completely shift their day and potentially their entire life. And I love talking to Coach Franklin. Uh, I interviewed James Franklin for this piece as well, and he told me that Charlie is going to be one of those guys when they look back and revisit the mammoth transformation of Penn State football during this first four years of, of Coach Franklin's tenure. Charlie's going to be one of those guys that stands out as a difference maker, not because of what he did on the field, but because of the culture that he demanded off of it, demanded it by action. And, in fact, Franklin told me he's already offered Charlie a job when he's done with school. And Charlie wants to grow the – so the charitable organization that he founded because of Maya and his relationship with Maya is called Big Helping Little. The Colognes, because of Maya's condition, um, had to go to Philadelphia to see a specialist often when she was very young. And it was very expensive. And it financially and emotionally impacted their family. And Charlie saw a need and he stepped up. And that's why he founded Big Helping Little for that National Honor Society project that he wanted to do. And now they've raised nearly $75,000. And three additional families have benefited. Now... Above what's going on with Maya, Maya used to go to the, the doctor and they would see this little boy playing all by himself in his playpen and Maya would run over to play with him and he was always alone. This little boy, there was never anybody around. They never saw any parents or anything. And this little boy's name is Michael and he has a, I think, I think it's called short gut syndrome. I think that's right. I'm no doctor guys, but ultimately his digestive system is not fully developed. And so he has a feeding port in his little belly, and he's the funniest, cutest little dude you ever saw. Oh, they adopted him. They saw that the Colognes saw a need and fell in love with this little boy, and they adopted him and gave him a wonderful home full of love. And Maria, the mom, lives in the doctor's office. This week, in fact, she told me last week that this week is the first week in 17 consecutive weeks that she doesn't have a doctor's appointment. 
uh, at least one somewhere with one of her two little ones. And she has a wonderful spirit and um, an indomitable will. They are doing so much good, and they love Jesus. And I just enjoyed so much having the opportunity to become a small slice of their day and have them tell me about their lives and the wonderful good they're doing in this world. And so back during fall camp for Penn State, James Franklin invited Will and Maria and Maya and Michael to fall camp down there in Happy Valley. They wanted He wanted them to come to practice and hang out so that Charlie could introduce them to his teammates and show the impact that Charlie's kindness had had on this family that needed kindness and someone to just pay attention, someone to just offer them a moment. And that moment became a movement in Big Helping Little. And onto the practice field they walk. Maya, uh, Charlie introduced all of them to his teammates, and he picked up Maya. And Maya was supposed to deliver a very important message to Charlie from Coach Franklin. But when she was around all those big, sweaty, 6'5", 300-pounders, she got a little bit of stage fright. And so Coach Franklin uh, delivered the message, and that message is, shoe your own scholarship. And they offered Charlie Schumann a full scholarship for his final year at Penn State. And it was a wonderful moment to see. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, go <laughs> – Go uh, go find that story that I did because it's a wonderful moment. And I'm a better man for having met all of those folks. I am, uh, I am so blessed that ESPN believes in these kinds of stories and lets guys like me tell them because those kind of stories matter. And it's like Coach Franklin said, uh, we need that in this country and we need that in this world right now. And, yes, we do. And so thank you so much to Charlie and to the Colognes and little Maya. I went up to Rochester and that little, that little sweetheart is a thousand miles an hour. I will say to you guys, I've been blessed. I've interviewed a lot of folks in my day and from a lot of different walks of life. I think she might be the most difficult interview I've ever attempted. <laughs> she was, um, she was fascinated with my hair. She kept wanting to, she played pretend that she was cutting the faux hawk. And uh, we had a lot of fun. I mean, that's a fair uh, what, thing for a kid to be fascinated with, though. Dude, I mean, it's like, it's a spectacle. And so she looked at me and she goes, oh my gosh, Beaker's here. Let me, Jimmy Neutron's here. Let me cut his hair. And we had a lot of fun playing hair salon. Uh, but I'm just, uh, ultimately, I'm a better man for for meeting them. And... I'm so appreciative of that. I'll post that story uh, with Charlie and Maya and Big Helping Little on my social feeds again this week so you guys can see it if you missed it. It'll just, uh, you know, it's three and a half minutes long. It's not long. But it is a reminder that we need to look at one another and be kind. Because kindness is so important always. It's certainly important today. And taking just a moment, just a brief moment, to inquire about somebody else's life and make the attempt to see the world through their perspective will really go a long way. Speaking of a long way, 
Uh, it's time for the Hillbilly Hotline, and I can't imagine what Travis has drummed up for me this week. Words, sayings, or just a way of life? Roman candles? That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. <laughs> this is Hillbillyisms. Hey, Marty, producer Travis. This is Mickey Bobby from the Great White North calling in again, clogging up the phone lines here. It, uh, I've been a uh, long-time Dale Jr. fan since about 2001. First first ever remember watching with my father was uh, the 2001 Daytona 500. I've been a fan of Dale Jr. from then on. And, you know, old June Buggy you know, won a whole lot of races since, uh, since 2016. And I finally felt the joy again of winning, watching Ryan Blaney win on that, um, uh, Went on the oval today. Felt pretty damn good. So much and so, I've already called in sick to work, knowing that tomorrow is going to suck a whole lot. Anyway, thought you let you guys know that the uh, Roval was a uh, success, at least in this uh, little uh, hazy mind of mine. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed it, too, if you guys enjoyed it at all. I will say this about what he said. I completely agree. Um, I watched basically the entire race at Charlotte. For those of you guys who aren't NASCAR people, let me explain it real quickly. For a long, long time, Charlotte, North Carolina has been the hub of NASCAR. It's where the vast majority, overwhelming majority of the teams are based. All of the drivers live here, and the industry is based here. That's why I live in Charlotte, because I covered NASCAR for 17 years. And Marcus Smith, who is the uh, president, CEO of Charlotte Motor Speedway, he and his team made the decision that they weren't going to run the oval for the October race at Charlotte. They decided that they were going to use the road course where you turn left and right on the infield of the oval as the racetrack this time. And it was a massive undertaking, and it was extremely ballsy, and a lot of people thought he was crazy. And a lot of people felt like it was a really dumb idea, and on and on and on and on and on. I expected there to be so many wrecked cars they couldn't finish the race. Uh, we were all wrong. It wound up being wildly successful, captivating to watch, thrilling at the finish. Jimmy Johnson, seven-time NASCAR champion who is now out of the playoff, had to win to advance to the next round of the playoffs. And he bombed that damn race car down in there like uh, a man possessed. And, uh, man, it was fun to watch a guy like that go that hard. And uh, Martin Truex Jr., the defending NASCAR champion, is not especially thrilled with Johnson because he wound up in uh, – Jimmy was going so hard he wrecked and wound up taking Martin out as well. And Blaney came around and won that race. I loved every second of it. I mean, I, I watched a lot of it. And I just give Marcus so much credit. I think all the credit really goes to the people who had the guts to try and especially amid all the criticism that came from every angle, they had guts to try. And that, too, is a lesson. But, I, you know, to my man's uh, point, hopefully he didn't have too many cold beers, but it sounded like he was pretty well tuned up already, didn't it, Travis? I think he was already partly cloudy after the race, so I wonder how he's, how he's feeling on Monday. This is Aaron on Tuesday. I wonder what his uh, state of mind was. My guess is he was probably full-blown thunderstorm, Jack. That happens to the best of us. I, uh, and think about it. He was talking about how he hasn't felt that victory, so he was letting loose. I, I, he might have celebrated like he was in victory lane. 
Well, he should, because he sounded like he was in victory lane. Tell you, he 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 was a, he was down a cylinder, as we say in NASCAR. Is that one of the greatest um, things ever is to be able to have that celebration either in the locker room or in victory lane where you're just spraying beer everywhere? Yeah, man, I've had a few myself. Um, I've had a few where I wasn't even supposed to be there, but I was like the fly on the wall spraying champagne on people I didn't know. Um, good times, real good times. And um, I am going to have to wrap this up, team, because i got to go to Clemson. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much to Coach Spurrier for his time and insight. Thanks to Travis for getting Coach Spurrier for me. Thanks to Louise for being crazy enough to let us do it. Thanks to you guys for taking the time to listen. I love your feedback. I've gotten so much awesome, kind comments about this podcast. It means so much to Travis and to me. It's fun to be able to kind of open people up and humanize them a little bit and that's why we're doing this so thank you guys if you like the podcast please subscribe rate and review or give us a call uh because we love we love the hillbilly hotline and there's some hilarious ones laying in wait for you guys to hear i love these things hit us up at 860-516-1315 correct travis well done that's a big victory for me 860-516-1315 and tell us your crazy tailgate stories. Tell us uh, how you're celebrating the big NASCAR Roval victory. Tell us your crazy stories because we love them. Uh, the better the Hold My Beer story, the better the Hillbilly Hotline is. We if, you're, if you're a little intoxicated a little after, after the game celebrating, call Let us. It, we'll celebrate with you. Just call us. Like my man that, 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 that thinks Cleveland Browns are going to the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago. See, he was happy. He called us immediately, right there from the stands. I love that guy. Above all, you know, I want to uh, thank you guys for being passionate about this thing. And to our military domestically and around the world keeping us free, thank you so much for sacrificing so much so that we can be free and be frivolous and debate trivial things. And a quick reminder from Smithfield, you can win bacon for life right now. I did not stutter. You heard me correctly. Bacon for the rest of your life. Just go to your local grocery store. Look for specially marked packages of Smithfield bacon. There's a code inside that package of bacon. Take that code. Go to smithfield.com slash bacon for life. Enter that code for the opportunity to win bacon forever. Forever. There's no purchase necessary. It ends December 31st, 2018. Go to smithfield.com slash bacon for life to enter and for free entry instructions. That's the Marty Smith America podcast. God bless America.